Hi, I'm Brad Blaylock. And I'm Brad McKeon, and welcome to The Brad Report. Warning, the Brad Report contains spoilers. This episode of the Brad Report is brought to you by clothes. They're what you wear. The Brad Report can be found on Apple, Breaker, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Anchor, and Spotify. Please rate and review us five stars only and make sure you subscribe and follow and love us and show us that you love us because it is the Christmas season and it is time to show love and care for people, especially your podcast. You can follow the Brad Report on Instagram and Twitter at the Brad Report. And last week, we reported on the first five episodes of The Mandalorian Season 2 on Disney+. Plus. Holy smokes, they're good. Holy smokes, Episode 6 was amazing. And we're looking forward to reporting on Episodes 6, 7, and 8 in the near future. But this week, we will be belly flopping back into the Marvel Cinematic Universe with Iron Man two and jumping right into our summary of iron man two we begin six months after revealing himself to the world as iron man tony stark seeks to find a cure to his declining health the arc reactor that is keeping him alive is also killing him he must also contend with a new foe that ties to his father's past as well as those other military weapons dealers that are seeking to take and use the Iron Man armor for their own gains. And that's our summary. Well done. Oh, thank you. So jumping right into our themes, we'll just do popcorn style. Uh, Brad, do you want to go first? Sure, Brad. Uh <laughs> <laughs> This is the Brad report after all. Oh, man. Sometimes I, sometimes, like, sometimes it comes up that I have a podcast or that I involve us a podcast. Or that, and the first question was, oh, what's it called? And I feel so pretentious and narcissistic when I'm like, the Brad report. And then I have to be like, it's my co host's name is Yeah, Brad. exactly. And it's so, like, like, it's not like a me thing. It's like a, it's a, it's us like thing. a, a cute little name, you know, whatever. Yeah, it's like uh, when Mike and Mike were for ESPN. Yeah, and it's just like, exactly. we're not going to be the Brad and Brad. And it's exactly. just like, just one time, the Brad report. Mm-hmm. Anyways, so we, so we, we, <laughs> <laughs> we mentioned this before. We don't talk about like, politics in terms of like modern day politics like yeah but when political themes appear in movies or books or tv shows we'll talk about so one thing that i think is pretty prevalent in this movie is the the private versus public sphere and what belongs to what Mm -hmm. and you see this early on with tony and the iron man suit and the u.s government trying to take it from him so the u.s government is trying to take this this suit from tony and they're trying to possess it. You've got the CEO of Hammer Industries testifying before a Senate committee yeah. hearing saying that the Iron Man is the Iron Man suit is a sword, not a shield. Um, and Tony's asking us to cower behind it instead. And Rhodey even testifies there that because Tony it doesn't fall under the umbrella of governmental control, there's no way to truly rein in Iron Man. And so you there's no true accountability for it. And then Tony on the flip side is like, uh, you can't have it. Yeah. It's mine. Like, I made this. Not you, government. I made this. I'm the person that made this. So you can't have it. And so there's this, like, tension between, like, what belongs to the public governmental sphere and what belongs to, like, the private individual sphere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's it's funny. Tony says as he's walking up the door from that, hit, that uh, hearing, he goes, I have successfully privatized world peace, and that's what you can thank me for. Yeah. You know? And so he's, he even says, like, I've privatized this. Like, the government didn't do this. I did this, you know? And then later, this comes back into play with the whole um, 
you know, and Tony's at his party and Rhodey's like, hey, like they're going to bring in tanks and take your suit if you don't stop. And then Rhodey himself eventually seizes one of Iron Man's suits for mm. the U.S. Mm-hmm. Army, for the U.S. military. And so like, I feel like there's this tension between what belongs to private or the individual sphere and what belongs to the public or governmental sphere all throughout the book. And kind of um, it's interesting because as we this theme will come up again with Tony Stark much later down the line. Oh, yeah. And Tony takes a different approach yeah. later. Uh, and there's some there's some catalysts that lead to that. But for now, Tony is on the 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 side of saying, hey, I am a private citizen and the government cannot mandate what I do with my property. Um, and eventually Tony flips and switches oh, yeah. on that. But for now, that's kind of where he's at, which is, I think is interesting. And that's certainly a theme that we see in this movie. Yeah, that's great. Um, yeah, that's really, really good. I think another one that I have is legacy and lineage. Sure. Which is, it's obviously prevalent in Iron Man one that we talked about a good deal, but also with the fact that like Tony knows that he's dying. Yeah. And even given the speech at the Stark Expo, he's like, you know, it's not about, it's not about you. It's not about me. It's about what we leave behind. Mm-hmm. And then to put that into such contrast is he has his father who has gone ahead and died. Who has left something behind. Left he something behind. Legacy, yeah. And something very particular that he left behind for Tony in discovering this new element. Mm. And how much that plays into that. And when Tony's faced with, I'm going to die, what am I going to leave behind? Yeah. And trying to make his life count. And even when Yinsen was just like, hey, don't waste your life. Don't waste your life. And him in crisis in that and thinking like, I can't figure this out. I can't solve this problem. Mm-hmm. I'm, I am going to die soon. Yeah. And he's thinking about that legacy. Yeah. Mm. And so, I mean, I'm going to get into this a little bit more with storytelling, but how he, I think this, the movie misses an opportunity in like how, what is the right way to respond Mm. in when you're faced with that circumstance. Okay. So, but I think legacy and lineage and like making your life count is, is a huge theme there. Yeah. And the, the lineage aspect is interesting of just seeing this, this thing passed down from Howard to Tony Mm -hmm. and seeing how the, the legacy of, of how it impacts Tony's life and the immediate and how he thinks of his own legacy. And so that lineage of passing down Stark industries, as well as all the baggage and the pros and cons that come with that. Yeah. Cause it's like, he has a relationship, a broken relationship and view of his father. Yeah. And it's always good. To, interesting to see how like there are these things that he learns about his father that he didn't know because he wasn't friends with his father. No, no, no. And how important that is for him when like even though he was a kid like it took his dad saying like recording it on video even though he could never say it in person to his face like hey you're my greatest creation like you're the thing that i'm most proud of Mm -hmm. and yeah that's one of the things that like every son should hear from their father sure absolutely I think another big theme in this is the, the the idea of community and its importance to our to our flourishing. That was my second one as well. Yeah. So I mean, so like one, like Rhodey, uh, when he catches Tony in the basement, and Tony at this point, you know, so part of the plot line of this movie is that the arc reactor, um, there's this element called Paladin that he has to. Is it Paladin? Is that how you pronounce it? Palladium. 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 Thank yeah. you. Uh, there's this element called palladium that he puts in the arc reactor, puts in his chest in order to help, I guess, run it or sustain it or whatever. Or keep the shards um, from going into his heart or, or something. Or whatever it does, but it also poisons him. Mm-hmm. So the cure is also a new type of poison, which is great. That's what everyone wants. Exactly. And so throughout the movie, he's like testing, he's like putting his thumb. It's almost like a diabetes like reader, but for blood toxicity. And you can see throughout the which is super confusing, the blood toxicity. Uh, how's it confusing? Well, I just feel like if your blood is like 80% toxic, 
Like you should already be dead. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. I <laughs> like mean, it has to reach a hundred percent for him to die. I see what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't know. It's a movie, but I'm taking uh, my food. <laughs> so at isolation and community. Yeah, yeah. But so at this point, Tony's blood toxicity is pretty bad. He's like almost in like a catatonic state. Yeah. In his basement, his workshop. And then Rhodey comes and finds him and is able to, you know, successfully bring him over and reinstall a new palladium uh, plate into the arc reactor and essentially save Tony. And he tells them while they're down there, like, look, you can't, you can't do this alone. Mm -hmm. You just can't. You know, Tony is like, believe it or not, I know what I'm, you know, I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing. Yeah. And so Tony throughout this movie is unraveling physically as the toxicity in his blood increases over and over and over again. But he's also un- unraveling emotionally in this movie. Oh, yeah. He's such a wreck. Yeah, he's a wreck a whole time. I mean, he's drinking way too much. Um, like you can see that, it, you know, he's taking un- unnecessary risks all the time. He's he's feeling this burden. I mean, it's, it's, not, gr- it's not a great story for Tony for most of this movie. No. I mean, he's just totally unraveling, and most of, I think part of the reason he's unraveling so much is that he's taking this this undertaking alone. Mm-hmm. And even though Pepper Potts is right there and other people are right there for him, he's kind of pushed them, at least on the outside of like the uh, like his inner circle, which is essentially just himself at this point. And he's unraveling because of it. Yeah, and I think it. I mean, obviously, like they kind of play that line off at the end as kind of a joke. Where he's reading the assessment, uh, yeah. Black Widow's textbook narcissism, and he's like, "What?" And then he looks at Nick Fury, and Nick Fury's just kind of staring at him. He's like, "Agreed." Mm-hmm. And so it's just like he's so focused on himself yeah. that he's just like, "You know, this is my problem. I'm in control. I can fix it, sure. and I'm not gonna let anybody help me." Which is exactly what he needs most. Yeah. And they even kind of play it up where Rhodey does become his sidekick slash partner mm-hmm. in a suit is like you this and he's like where uh he's like this lone gunslinger thing is unnecessary yeah and how but he he just has this like i guess just like self like sabotaging tendency to just push away any form of like genuine authentic help that comes his way yeah which is super sad. It is sad. And it's also revealing of like, I think part of that, the human condition for, for wanting to like be in control and like, oh, I can do this on my own. When it like time and time again, it's like living alone and in isolation and not trusting people and not confiding in people and not being vulnerable with people is always to our detriment. Yeah. But yeah, those are good themes. Do you have any more? Because you took my last one. <laughs> uh, that was my last one too. Yeah. Awesome. So you said you had some notes on the storytelling of, of the show? Yeah. I thought that first it se- kind of seemed like with the villains, the the story doesn't really know what it wants to be mm-hmm. in a certain aspect. Um, and I think they really miss a poignant punch where – it seems like part of the storytelling is like legacy lineage, what we're leaving behind. I think that's definitely a huge theme and the isolation and community and how Tony is like, he's faced with death and how does he respond? He asks that he asks uh, black widow who is Natalie Rushman at the point, like where all fans know we're like, okay, this is black widow. Um, Natalie Rushman. Natalie Rushman. Kind of yeah, it's kind of funny. Natalie Rushman. Yeah. Um, and so he's asking, he's like, oh, if this was your last birthday, what would you do? Yeah. And she's like, I would do whatever I would want to do with whoever I would want to do it with. And I think like, and he would want to be with Pepper because he's in love with her. Right. And spend the night with her. And he does the opposite again. He gets drunk and he gets in his Iron Man suit and he parties. But also, like, I think even just saying, like, I would do whatever I would want, whatever serves me Mm -hmm. is just like is so selfish. Sure. Because 
ultimately like from the way we see life was like when we're trying to make our life count, it's not about serving myself. It's about serving others. Sure. Yeah. Which is what he's trying to do as Iron Man and like make his life count and save people and do right by the company and like not do make weapons of mass destruction and sell right. them to terrorists. But then like when he has this moment of crisis, he, and it doesn't really like address that. It's just like, Oh, well, he was self-destructive and, oh, I was dying and, you know, but it doesn't say like, well, that's not, there's a reason why that's not the right way to mm -hmm. live Yeah. when you're faced with death. Mm. So that was kind of my more philosophical response and like, uh, but as, for, as far as storytelling itself, like it wants to set up Whiplash slash Venko as the main villain, but I right. feel like Justin Hammer is, is the real villain. Is the real villain. Yeah. And, um, but like, there's some things and, um, but yeah, like he and Vanko get like that one really good prison scene and then confrontation on the racetracks. But then like, I mean, Sam Rockwell just does a great job yeah. as Justin Hammer. Well, you get the, the, the confrontation at the end too. Yeah. Versus but I feel like it was so short. Yeah. I mean, short, but you, I mean, it still happens. It happens. Yeah. yeah. So, so I, I have I have one note on storytelling. It's just that so you know I, I've said this before, and I'm sure I'll say it a million times. Um, you don't want to judge. You don't judge a, a story, story on what they didn't tell, but on what they did tell, and on how they told it. Right. Yeah. So they're telling us the story of Tony as this unraveling emotionally and physically human being who eventually overcomes this unraveling and pulls his life together. Right. Right. So that's the story they're presenting us with. If, I feel like they would have it would have served better to tell that with some more serious moments of his unraveling, mm -hmm. or to like show the burden of being Iron Man that that we don't really get to see the burden, right? So they tell us in the show that he has saved the world essentially, like he has established a period of peace throughout the world. We don't get to see any of his like establishing that peace, mm -mm. right? Not once do we get to see any of these like international conflicts that he breaks up, right? These peace brokers that brokerages that he, um, that he brings in. Like we don't get to see any of that. You know, we're just told that. Yeah. Right. And so I think that you could see some of that and show kind of his unraveling in that or show him start to like uh, fall or start to falter in that a little bit. And even when they show some of his, his failings or his struggles or his emotional unravelings, we just, I don't know, they're often more like jokes. Yeah. Like we see like Tony eating donuts inside a donut. You know, yeah. or we see him just like party. Like After just having this like incredibly right, yeah. like breakup fight scene with his best friend. Or we just see him like kind of like generic partying or whatever. Like, I don't yeah. know. Like we, we see him, we see what he does in his downtime a lot. We don't get to see what Tony like Iron Man does and why mm -hmm. this is such a burden on him. Right. Because it, because, you know, if, if Iron Man's not a burden, he can just hang up the cape, the proverbial cape, and yeah, just call the, it a day. So Yeah, put I the suit like, away. I feel like there's a better way they could have told the story that they were trying to tell, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I agree. And, like, even, you know, picking up on more of those themes, like I said before, of, like, Jensen just saying, hey, don't waste your life. And then, mm -hmm. like, actually, I mean, ultimately, he does, like, make the sacrifice yeah. in Endgame. But like how that thread of that moment, they have Jensen saying like, don't waste your life. Don't waste this opportunity that I gave you. Yeah. And how that could have played out into like him having a conversation with Pepper or Rhodey and just like, I'm trying to make this count, you know, mm -hmm. like I'm trying to do the right thing. And so we yeah. get that a little bit in Iron Man 1, but. I feel like this movie just, it, it kind of missed on the story that it was trying to tell. Yeah, I agree. In a lot of ways. Yeah, which is unfortunate because like we love these characters and we love these stories and like and i still like this movie yeah it's yeah. still super enjoyable like i really like, there are some action scenes that are freaking awesome yeah and there's like a really a lot of funny parts that i really really enjoyed we'll, we'll get into more later obviously sure. yeah, but yeah. like there's some parts where i'm just like this is funny and i'm enjoying watching this yeah
All right, so let's take a look at our characters in this movie, beginning with the great Tony Stark, Robert Downey Jr., once again returning for the iconic role that he will forever be defined by. Uh, what do you have? Do you have any thoughts on like Tony and how they use this character? Um, anything that we haven't touched on already? Are you trying to say Robert Downey Jr. won't be defined by... Do I said he will be. He won't be defined by Doolittle? Instead. Oh yeah, he will not be defined by Doolittle. Huh? I, I mean, when I think of Robert Downey Jr., that's the first thing I think of. Uh, Doctor, the, all the movies that stunk <laughs> outside of uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe and Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> Basically, all of them. I like the Violinist. I think I watched. U.S. It. Marshals is good. I watched the Violinist in eighth grade. I don't know if I liked it or not, but I did at the time. With Jamie Fox? Yeah. Yeah, I haven't seen that one. I mean, oh, he's in Tropic Thunder as well. Yeah. Yeah. That one's one of his weirder roles. I remember, well, yeah. As far as that role hasn't been 2020. Um, yeah. Anyways, I, I have never seen Tropic Thunder actually, but yeah. I don't know if I'm going to. I'm probably just going to skip it. Skip it. It is fine. <laughs> uh, yeah. So Tony, I think, is, I mean, look, he is, spoiler alert, he is my favorite character in the MCU. Yeah, I love Tony Stark and Iron Man, and I think this this is a good movie for him because we see him kind of hit rock bottom in a way. Mm -hmm. um, he kind of had a crisis of who he was, an identity crisis in the first movie, where he realized like, oh shoot, like my company can't be, like, we have to change, we can't do this anymore. Yeah. In this movie, we see him personally hit rock bottom. Right. This isn't an identity crisis anymore. This is a I am dying. And I am lonely. And it's it's a little hard to watch. I mean, they I feel like they could have done a better job telling that, but even still it was hard to watch and you know you feel for him. But ultimately, as he always does, Tony comes through in the end. He rallies. He always comes through in the end. Yeah. And he's funny along the way. Oh yeah. He's his sense of humor is amazing. He's got so many great lines in this movie. And yeah, I think that's he. He's not a, a perfect hero by any means, but at the end of the day, like he is wanting to do uh, the right thing. And at the first one, he was, he was the in in the first when I say the first one, first movie, he was rising to meet the evil. Yeah. And now in this one, the evil is rising to meet him, which is um, like Vanco is this like is bent on revenge. Justin Hammer is jealous and like wanting to be as rich and successful. And he's having to combat that as well as his failing health. And the fact that if he dies, then it's all going to like, who's going to take care of these things. If he dies, you know, who's going to combat and put things at peace because at this point in time, he doesn't know about any other superheroes, you know, it's just him. And yeah, I really, yeah, like I, I don't want to belabor this point, but I feel like they could have done a better job in telling that particular story. Yeah. But he's a great character. He's funny. He's witty, and yeah. yeah. All right, Pepper Potts. Pepper gets a big upgrade in this movie for her. Huge upgrade. Uh, she kind of steps out of the shadow and kind of steps into her own role. I feel like this movie, she really shines. I feel like in this movie she really comes into her own as a character and she's less she's less the like the love interest of Tony, which she still is, but she she becomes her own character that is valuable in and of herself as opposed to just because of her relation to Tony. Mm -hmm. And the way that she, you know, she's promoted to CEO and there's some funny bits with that too, but she's she's great. And I think this is a movie where Pepper Potts really shines. Yeah, she does a really great job. Um and like her responsibility and her just stress level and with even though she's running the company continuing to have a relationship with tony and be his like assistant slash babysitter is really funny to watch and like obviously she's attracted to him and she loves him and continuing to to see that him be his same self-destructive sarcastics like above and beyond self and how she takes that and also how she like takes commands of situations like in the the finale when like arresting justin hammer and like taking charge of that situation yeah. at the expo mm -hmm. 
Absolutely. really good. All right. Rhodey recast. Yeah. As Don. Don Cheadle. Cheadle. From Terrence Howard. From Terrence Howard. Yeah. I mean, we talked about this when we did Iron Man 1. I, I still like Terrence Howard more mm-hmm. as Rhodey. Yeah. I don't think Don Cheadle's bad. No. I don't think he's bad. I just don't think he's as good as, as Terrence Howard. Yeah. The chemistry, as we said, just isn't there. It's not there as much as it was with Howard, for sure. Um, but Rhodey's cool, and he finally gets the the Warhammer gear, which is fun. You know, seeing him fly around, having two Iron Man suits is better than one Iron Man suit. Absolutely. As I always say, exactly. every day, <laughs> two Iron Man suits is better than one. Yeah. But, uh, you know, he's, he's fine, and he's okay. And I wish it was Terrence Howard, but it's Don Cheadle, and that's okay. Yeah. I mean, I think he does a good job. He definitely brings more of the serious militaristic aspect to the character um, with just ha- like his seriousness and the hearing and then um, afterwards in the battle and the fight and all that stuff. And he's, I mean, from what I've heard though, in some of the, the cast interviews in like leading up to infinity war and Endgame, like all the casts, like you, pretty unanimously say that Don Cheadle is the funniest cast guy member really out of everyone. And they just don't utilize his humor in this movie, like seemingly at all, which is kind of a bummer. I didn't know that. I didn't know that they say he's the, yeah, there's like a lot of people like, I mean, some of them say like, Oh, Robert and like, Oh, like Renner's funny. And then, but it, it showed a clip where like, the majority of the people were like Cheadle. Cheadle's the funniest. Okay, which is just like, oh man, if that's if that's what they had at their disposal, and just like not taking advantage of that, and like allowing uh, him and uh, Robert Downey Jr. to like play off of each other a bit more. But that's where I'm at with Rhodey. Yeah, Lieutenant Colonel James Rhodes. Anyways, happy. Also got an upgrade this movie. John Favreau. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's interesting John Favreau playing this part and also kind of being like the mastermind behind the entire MCU. Yeah. Uh, it's almost like who is is it uh oh BJ Novak in the office like yeah. writing himself into a role but kind of like a small secondary role. Yeah. Yeah, Happy's funny. Happy has some good moments in this. So Happy has the moment I'd say both of his funniest moments come with Natalie Rushman. Oh, yeah. So the first one is the boxing moment, which I think is pretty funny. Yeah, that one's hilarious. You know, because uh, <laughs> Tony's like, hey, give her a lesson. Why don't you? He's like, yeah. he's like, you ever box before? And then he like goes like fake puncher and she just takes him down and whips his butt immediately. Yeah. Second one's in the car. Yeah. They're driving and she is in the back and she's. Um, you changing she, into Black she's Widow. She's changing into the Black Widow attire, and you can see him kind of peeking up into the rearview mirror, and the car swerves. She's like, hey, eyes on the road. Oh, yeah, happy. That was really funny. And then she, she's a, a trained spy, and he's just a guy that spars for fun. Yeah. <laughs> and as soon as they walk in the door, like, she's like, stay in the car. He's like, no, I'm, I'm not letting you go oh, in there alone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she opens the door, and he like kind of dashes in and like punches the first guy, and she takes out 10 dudes and he's still like fighting the one guy and he finally beats him. He's like, I got him. And he's like, Oh, she's way better. And he looks up, he sees all the bodies strewn in the hallway. Yeah. That was really funny. Okay. Speaking of Black Widow, Scarlett Johansson. Yeah. She's introduced here. She's introduced here. Uh huh. Yeah. It's awesome. I, so I guess this is just getting ahead a little bit, but I went ahead and included her in my hero rankings. Oh, I'll have to add her then because she's a new hero that they added. But she's cool. Um, I I like her, and you'll see this reflected in my my rankings. I like her much more in future movies than I do in this movie. Yeah, and I don't really know. I don't know. I don't know how to put a how to put this into words necessarily. But it feels like they just kind of used her as. Um, I don't know. Just like eye candy. Whereas, yeah. like, I feel like this, like, I feel like she and Scarlett Johansson and the character has so much to offer, just in terms of, like character depth and like, cool background and interesting. She's literally a spy, right? And I feel like they kind of 
I don't know, just like, oh, they definitely bring uh, it out more in Winter Soldier, right? And so I like I like this character way more in future movies than I do in this one, and that. So the rankings, I've been doing them. Uh, we'll talk about them later, I guess. But yeah, so she's cool and she's great. I, it's a character I really like. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like how she's introduced necessarily. She, she just comes across as kind of flat, right? In a way, there, there doesn't seem to be much to her in this movie. Yeah, it's like oh, she is a spy, spy. and can fight really well. Yeah. So okay, and, so and happy and Tony both have a crush on her. And exactly that's about it. When you say you don't like how she was introduced, what do you mean that you don't like that she was introduced in a movie that was not her own? No, it's not that necessarily. It's that it, it's. I mean, you put a good word on it, flat. Like she just comes across as very like monotone in terms of her character and personality. Yeah. Whereas the the actual character, I feel like as movies progress, is has way more depth to it than this movie shows. Yeah, and we would have seen more of that. If COVID had not happened, we'd already would have seen That's Black right. Widow we would have and seen like, her own movie yeah. and her more of her background, which is hopefully we'll be seeing May in 2021. Who knows if movie theaters will still be in existence then? But anyways, we digress. Uh, so Justin Hammer, Sam Rockwell, what do you think of him? He's awesome. I love him. He's great. He's so funny. Like. I mean, we can go ahead and talk about him and Vanko slash Whiplash at the same time if we want. But like, sure, talk about total like characters that are at the antithesis of one another as villains. Yeah. So Justin Hammer's fun. So he's kind of like the he's kind of like the B list Tony Stark, you know. And he tries to be smooth, and it just never it just never comes across right. No. Uh, you know, like when he's, when he's talking to the reporter. The oh, I don't remember her name, but she is a reporter for Vanity Fair. Yeah, is it She's Christine? Go, uh, something like that. Something like that. She's Who's Sam Rockwell's wa- wife in real life? Wait, is it really? Yeah, that's his wife. Huh? I didn't know that. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, but she's doing this big spread on 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 Hammer for the for Vanity, Vanity Fair. Fair. Yeah, and he just he tries to be smooth and Playboy esque, like and Robert funny, and funny, and, yeah. and charming, and just doesn't work. Yeah. And his technology is just doesn't work. No. And so I really like this character and I found him funny, but I do consider Vanko to be the the villain of the movie. Okay. So like when I when I ranked my villains, I had Vanko, Ivan Vanko in instead of uh, Hammer. So you wouldn't consider him a villain at all then? No, he's a villain. He's a villain. He's just not the villain of the movie. In my mind, to me, Whiplash was the villain, and you see that ultimately in. But you add Black Widow as a hero on the list be, because I wanted to, <laughs> <laughs> because I like her. <laughs> but, uh, so, but but ultimately, you see, like in the end, like Hammer doesn't have a master plan. Like it's it's Ivan Banco. Oh yeah, that has the master plan to take Tony out. Yeah, absolutely. And so that's why I'd say Vanko is the villain of the movie and not Justin Hammer. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think his, how dynamic of a character he is and like his motivation, he's just like, I want, it's like long term, like I want to be in the <laughs> Pentagon or I want to be in the 25 White. years. Yeah, 25 years. It's just like, um, and so he's like so driven just by wealth and success and fame. And Vanko is just, he's like, I want revenge. You know, he says, I want revenge for um, what Howard Stark did to my father and how his son is now benefiting from this technology that my father created. And like, I basically, he just wants revenge is his kind of like sole focus in killing Tony Stark, which is kind of like, okay, I get it. But at the same time, that's it. Right. <laughs> like you never met this guy. He's rich and famous. And like you created the arc reactor. And like Tony even says, like, you easily could have sold this and made millions. Yeah. And you chose to like come and fight me <laughs> instead with whips. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So Mickey Rourke. I think they under 
and this will continue to be a theme, they uh, they misused him mm. as a villain. But that's where I have with that. Okay. All right. So two more characters. Howard, How, Howard Stark. Howard Stark. Nick Fury. So that's Howard right. Stark. Um, yeah, I mean, he's cool. I think it's interesting to to see what we get to see from him, especially with the whole like, expo thing. And we get to hear from Nick Fury, which is why I want to talk about them together a little bit. You get to hear from Nick that Howard had actually talked about the arc reactor. And it, it seemed like kind of knew how he could possibly make it work and even go on further past the arc reactor to make a, a new type of energy that was even more powerful. And I think he, I think the quote is something that would make the nuclear power plant look like a AAA battery. Yeah. So I think it's interesting. You can kind of, they, they, they do this like world building of showing how deep shield is and how established it is of saying like, Oh, actually we've worked with your dad before. Like, and we, we've worked with arc reactor technology and we've actually been working on this for years, Tony. Yeah. And Tony kind of makes like a passing jab. It was like, well, I guess you knew him better than I do. And like, Nick's like, yeah, I did as a matter of fact. And I really kind of thought it was funny where if you look up old, like Walt Disney videos of him kind of like explaining Disneyland. It looks just like Howard. Yeah. It's just like Howard kind of like explaining. It, it the feels expo. like they modeled. Oh yeah. Howard after Walt in a way. In that scene, especially. Yeah. Just in like the expository, like him explaining. Um, it looks just like those videos of, of Walt like walking through the park and explaining what it is. Yeah. You're right. That's a good call. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Samuel L. Jackson returns as as Nick Fury. Yeah. Does a great job. Kills it again. Every scene he's in in the MCU, I love. It's awesome. I he's love him in the MCU. Awesome. He's so good. And like even the parts where it's just like, you know, he has like Nick Fury has no questions about what his purpose is. He has no self-doubt of like what he's there to accomplish and like how serious it is that like he's just not plagued by those kinds of things. Like he is sure and steadfast in like who he is, what his mission is and what he's trying to accomplish. And I think that's really played out in Tony saying like, are you even real? And Sam was like, I'm the realest person you're ever going to meet. <laughs> I've got my eye on you. I've got my eye on you. Yeah. So getting into some of our favorite scenes and quotes, I think my first favorite first scene, I'll go first. We'll do popcorn style is the scene where happy and pepper drive onto the raceway and they hit Vanko with the car and they're like, Oh, yeah. Tony, get in the car. And then like, Vanko's <laughs> alive and they cuts the door and happened. There's just the panic of trying to get him. Give me the case. Give me the case. I'm going to hit him again. I'm going to hit him again. And then like yeah. all that stuff. And, just like keeps going and like he's cutting the car in half. There's the panic. Give me the suit. Give me the kids. What are you doing? Are you out of your mind? Like I love it was how, so funny. I love how nonchalant Tony is after Happy rams into Vanko. Yeah. He's just like, finally. And he yeah. just like casually strolls around the car. Yeah. And even when like Pepper and Happy are freaking out, he's just like, give me the case. Like he almost seems just like more like annoyed at yeah. this minor inconvenience that he does. Like, Oh crap, my life is in danger. Yeah. Give me the case. That was my first scene that, uh, I mean, watching it on YouTube, it's just so funny to, to see it over and over yeah, again. That's and a good one. Suiting up with the suitcase is, is just like, it's super funny. Yeah. I really like the, I rewatched this movie today. And one that stood out to me was the, the Senate scene. Where they're having the Senate, yeah. the Senate committee here. That one's really good. It's just, it's so funny. And Tony, like, t when Tony takes over the, the TV screens, and he's like, you know, because the idea is like, they're like, hey, like these other countries are developing Iron Man suits that are fully functional right now. So we need the U.S. government army. We need your suit right now, Tony. You have to give it to us. And he's like, he's like, takes over their the TV screens. And like, well, actually, here is. This country, Korea, suit. and yeah, it's not working. Here is this country's. It's not working. Oh, Justin Hammer, is that you working with another country on an Iron Man suit? Interesting. How'd you get there, Justin? Yeah, <laughs> that seems funny and just filled with like little quips and laughs. Yeah, that was really good. Uh, I, 
I really like the scene where Tony talks to Ivan Vanko when he's in prison. Yeah. And I'm torn on whether to put this in my scenes or in quotes. Just go ahead and mention it. Is it the... I, it's the where he's talking and it's like, uh, I'm going to try and do my Ivan. <clears throat> my Mickey Rourke Ivan. He says, uh, you come from a family of thieves and butchers. And like all guilty men, you try to rewrite your history to forget all the lives the Stark family has destroyed. He says, speaking of thieves, where'd you get this design? You look like you have friends in low places. My father, Anton Vanko. Never heard of him. My father is the reason you are alive. No, the reason I'm alive is because you made a shot and you missed. If you could make God bleed, people would cease to believe in him. There will be blood in the water. The sharks will come. All I have to do is sit back and watch as the world consumes you. Where will you be watching the world consume you? Oh, that's right. A prison cell. I'll send you a bar of soap. Mm. And just like that scene where you like fully believe that this dude is like intimidating and terrifying and he means business. Yeah. And he has a, the, I think the most chilling quote of that scene where he's like palladium poisoning, bad, bad way, way to die. die. Yeah. It's like, Oh crap. Like, like how does he even know about that? Like, how does he's he even just know that's as a smart? Yeah, he he's, is on the same level as Tony. Yeah, as smart and like, and but just like take his maliciousness and like key for violence and like killing people from Tony and like and put that in him. And it's like he's just as smart and he knows that Tony is dying, which is crazy. Um, but yeah, that's that's one of my favorite scenes. Yeah, I love the the party scene. I think it's interesting. It's it's kind of silly, but it's also very funny. Mm-hmm. Just I mean, everything from when they start throwing up the bottles and Tony is almost like skeet shooting them yeah. out of the sky. So there's some really really good humor in that, and then it turns into a very serious scene where him and Rhodey fight. Yeah, I think that scene is very they very impactful. Um, I mean, it's what leads to the government getting their own Iron Man suit. Essentially, it's what leads to Tony's like ultimate downfall which is where he's eating donuts in a donut which yeah not a great way to show that he's at rock bottom but whatever it doesn't matter but uh but yeah it's a good scene i like that a lot yeah it was really good i really think the final battle against all the hammer That's, drones that was gonna be my, my next one too that's a great scene is really good with just how it's a cool fight scene it's a really cool fight scene just flying through the air all of the destruction uh the stark expo and how there's the one kid that's he's got the Iron Man hat, head Iron on. Man head on. Looks so good. Looks so good. And so apparently Kevin Feige confirmed this. That's a young Peter Parker. Really? That's what he said. Okay. He just speaks uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe canon into existence. <laughs> okay. Cool. So, but yeah, the end fight scene was really, really good. Do you have another one? No, that was going to be my last scene, so we can go into quotes. Okay, great. You want me to go first this time? Uh, I'll go first. All right. So this is uh, Tony and Nick. Nick Fury are talking. This is just kind of some world building of S.H.I.E.L.D. and just how big and deep this goes. Yeah. Tony says, well, then you must have known my father better than I did. Nick Fury says, as a matter of fact, I did. He was one of the founding members of S.H.I.E.L.D. And Tony goes, wait, What? And that's when you start to realize, and I, I guess for the audience too, you know, for the first time watching this, like, oh, this is much bigger than these events that are currently happening. This has been happening for a while. And the this, this organization, this shadow organization of S.H.I.E.L.D. is much bigger than we realize. And this is kind of this massive world building moment of, oh, Howard Stark was a founding member of S.H.I.E.L.D. Okay, so this thing is legit. Yeah, which gets picked up in... Captain America does. Yeah. Uh, So my first quote is a funny one. It's when Coulson's getting ready to leave and Tony's about to uh, create the new element. And he says, they shake hands and he's like, good luck. We need you. Tony says more than, you know, and Coulson goes, not that much. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. So this is Tony Stark one. He says, 
drop your socks and grab your Crocs. Oh, I had that one. We're about to get wet on this ride. <laughs> yeah, I love that one where he's talking with uh, Rhodey in the final fight. Yeah, I love that quote. Um, a funny Justin Hammer one that I have is where uh, Ivan's talking in Russian and speaking, and yeah. he's just like, it's it's not the when they're having dinner together, um, which is also a funny scene, but he's where he's like taking the his shoes and stuff. And he's just like, oh, yeah. I don't know if you know this, but I don't speak Russian. <laughs> Oh, that was so funny. Um, and I knew those guards were going to get killed as soon as he took the bird. Oh, as soon as he took the... Uh, when you take his bird, it's over. Oh, yeah. I want my bird. I say it every day. You don't take a man's bird. Don't take a man's bird. You just don't do it. <laughs> I I love this scene, too. So this is uh, a little dialogue between Happy, Tony, Pepper. And it's after Tony has made Pepper the new CEO. Okay. So Happy walks in and goes, anything else, boss? Tony immediately responds, no, I'm good, Hap. And Pepper goes, no, I'll be just another minute. And Tony goes, I lost both kids in the divorce. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many funny lines in this movie. Um, the next one I have is right after that, uh, where he's – where. Uh, Black Widow is saying, like, I'm surprised you can keep your mouth shut. He says, God, you're good. You're mind-blowingly close to this. How do you do it? You're a triple imposter. I've never seen anything like it. Is there anything real about you? Do you even speak Latin? <laughs> that was so funny. Oh, that's... Uh, so funny. You're a triple imposter. I've never seen anything like it. Oh, What about you? Do you have any more? Yeah, so I'm trying to find the, the exact phrasing of it because I neglected to write it down. Okay, I have another one. It's a long one. It's uh, the... I, I, got, I got it. Okay, okay, go for it. So, Tony, this is about, it's about Tony and Pepper are talking about Natalie Rushman, who we know is Natasha. Yes. Uh, Tony says, Who is she? Pepper goes, You know, she's from legal. She's potentially a very expensive harassment lawsuit <laughs> if you keep ogling her like that. Yeah, yeah. I have the. Uh, Is it the next one? The next that? one. Okay. It's like, how do you spell her name? Rushman. R U S H M A N. Pepper. What are you googling her now, Tony? I thought I was ogling her. <laughs> um. Yeah. Okay. I've got two more. How many do you have? Go ahead and get one. Okay. Get one. Or Justin uh, is uh, uh, like equipping out uh, War Machine Rhodey's new suit with all the armor and everything, and then he gets to the final one. And he's just like he's doing all this demonstration. He's like, "Here we go." He's like, "These are the Cubies, babies. The the Cohibas, the Monte Cristos. This is a kinetic kill sidewinder vehicle with a secondary cyclothymilatrine RDX burst. It's capable of busting a bunker under the bunker you just busted." If it were smarter, it would write a book. A book that would make you listen, look like it were written in crayon. It would read it to you. This is my Eiffel Tower. This is my Rachmaninoff's third. My Pieta. It's completely elegant. It's baffingly beautiful. And it's capable of reducing the population of any static structure to zero. I call it the ex-wife. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. That all just dialogue and uh even how it pays off at the end with just like, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's great. This is from the party. This is my last one. He, Tony says, you know, the question I get asked most often is, Tony, how do you go to the bathroom in the suit? Dramatic pause, eyes closed. Just like that. <laughs> Just like that. Oh, that's funny. Um, that's so good. Uh, my last one is with a strawberry vendor. And he goes, aren't you Iron Man? As he's driving off, he's like, sometimes. <laughs> and then, like, so many times I've used this where this, after he drives off, he's like, we believe in you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and even like the part where he's just like, yeah, I have a thing about being handed things. Like, just, just drop it. Just, just drop, drop it. it. Just drop it. Uh, all right. So that's my last quote. You're you're done with quotes. Yeah. Okay. Great. 
questions. So would you rather have Iron Man or War Machine's armor? Iron Man. Oh, yeah, absolutely. No question. Iron yeah, Man. Iron Man. Um, okay, next one is if you could live in Tony Stark's mansion, but you had to keep all of the damage from his fight with War Machine and from his remodeling to create the new element, would you still live there? No. I would not live there either. No, I... I mean, the house is sick. Yeah, but it feels like it just loses all of its <laughs> all of its coolness and value once you do all that damage to it. So yeah, no, I wouldn't live there. Plus, I don't have the money to afford all of the to repairs. It. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Another question is: Would you rather? Because Tony is owns a race car. Owns a race car. Would you rather own have money in race cars or race horses? Hmm. We live in Louisville, Kentucky. All right, so Tony is home Tony, of the Derby. Tony says, "What's the point of a race car if you can't drive it?" Right. Right. <clears throat> we are not built to ride racehorses. <laughs> you and I are not built to ride racehorses. No, we're not. But I still think I would rather own a racehorse than. I mean, okay. So is the assumption here that like, if we own a car, it's it's high enough quality to be like in the Monaco Grand Prix or whatever. Exactly. And if we own a horse, it's quality enough to be in the the Derby. Exactly. Okay. I'd rather own a racehorse. Okay. Why? Because I, going to the going to the races are a lot of fun. Yeah. Just going and like mate and you know just enjoying yourself and having a good time. It's a lot of fun. The it's a lot more sophisticated. Uh, yeah. I f- I feel like race. I feel like car racing in that sense, like Grand Prix, is pretty sophisticated too. Yeah, but I, I so I've never been to Grand a, Prix and NASCAR are very different. Very different. So I've never been to a race like that, like mm-hmm. a car race. But I have been to horse races, and they're a lot of fun. Um, and maybe it's just because I live in Louisville, and I've been able to go to some races and enjoy myself. But I've never been able to go to a car race like that. Yeah, I don't know what about you. Um. Yeah. I I have not ever been. I mean, I've lived in Louisville. I'm going on four years now, and I've never been to a race. Well, you've never been to a race. Never been to a race. Well, we're going to fix that. Uh, well, we'll see is what uh, COVID does to us. They're uh, open. Oh, they're open. Well, there we go. Um, so the one like, uh, a couple, like a month ago? Not even a month ago. No, oh, thanks for the invite. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I Chad was here. What are you going to do? <laughs> exactly. So I picked race cars. Um, maybe that's because I also recently watched Ford v. Ferrari. Ah, with Christian yeah, Bale yeah. and Matt Damon, and, Matt and like Damon, that yeah. kind of uh, that kind of like upper echelon, yeah, not quite NASCAR. It's very different, very, very different. different. So, which I like NASCAR, so no shame. Yeah, I, I enjoy a good NASCAR race. Yeah, so I think I would want to do do race cars, even though it's a very different demographic. Yeah. Okay. That was my gut instinct that I went with. All right. Next. Who has the best performance in this movie? Hmm. So obviously it's very, it's well documented. That I love Tony. I'm going to go Gwyneth Paltrow. Really? Pepper Potts. I think she really shines in this movie. Okay. I think she really shines. Yeah. And really, I think it, it might just be because compared to Iron Man one, where I felt like she was a just kind of a huge back, step up where I felt like um, Pepper Potts was just kind of a background character. But in this one, I felt like she was, almost a co-star you know and so i maybe it's just because of that but i really felt like she shined very brightly in this movie yeah. so i'll go pepper Potts with paltrow yeah i picked sam Rock- rockwell as justin hammer he's awesome too i think that every scene that he's in this ridiculousness and like how he's just going on about it seems so evident that as even though he's acting as this character he's having so much fun yeah just chewing the scenery and being uh it's like oh you want a bird like yeah yeah we can get you a bird and it's like uh, even before that it's like listen i've been talking this whole time i don't even know if you understand english <laughs> or not <laughs> yeah and he's like very good man oh very good man it's just like uh so uh yeah i love sam rockwell and like when i first watched this movie back in 2010 Ten. i was like there's no way I would have picked him, but you know, right now I was just like, as I watched it this past week, I was like, Oh man, like this is awesome. Yeah. Okay. Final question. 
going a bit more personal here and philosophical and uh, what do you want to be? Because we like legacy and lineage. What do you want to be your legacy? Like, what do you want to be known for? Mm-hmm. I guess just if I had to be known for one thing, I'd like to be just be known known as a good dad. Mm. Mm. That's a beautiful answer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Beautiful answer. Don't know, laugh. No, it's, the way, it's, the, it's your facial expressions. You look like you had a smirk on. I don't know. I wasn't I, smirking. I was. That was an endearing, warm smile. I, that I, I am proud of you as my friend. That you are going to be a father, <laughs> and I'm excited to see you well, become a father. Thanks. I think if I could be known for one thing, and it was, um, you know, if I lived the rest of my life and I was known as a good dad, I think I'd be mm. content with the way things turned out. Yeah. Yeah. So I am. Not expecting a child, <laughs> or uh, nor am I uh, married or betrothed to be married. But I think when I was thinking of this, I was just like, you know, a faithful and steadfast friend, and like even to um, my family, mm-hmm. my my parents, like faithful and steadfast, and yeah. um, a son, brother, mm. you know, good friend, like uncle. I have nieces and nephews. Sure. Um, in that regard, it's just like if they're just like, you know, we felt loved by by Brad. Yeah. Like that would be something that was just like, hey, you know, that was worth it. Yeah. Even if it's like. You'd be tw- content. 20 people. Yeah, exactly. It's like I don't have to be rich and famous and the smartest guy and have an Iron Man suit. Like, you know, being a good dad, being a good friend, like loving people that are close to you. But we'll also take the Iron Man suit. Oh, you know, if if there's one lying around, if Robert Downey Jr. is <laughs> hears this and is moved by my answer, we'll and also take the Iron yeah, Man I'll suit. also take the Iron Man suit. <laughs> All right, so getting into our MCU rankings, Marvel Cinematic Universe rankings. So. At the end of all of our Marvel Cinematic uh, Reports podcast, we are going to be doing our rankings of heroes, villains, and movies for um, all of the Marvel Cinematic Universe that we've reviewed and reported on up to this point. So that includes Iron Man, Incredible Hulk, and Iron Man 2. So uh, starting us off in the hero category, Brad, what do you have for us? So, so far, number one hero, Iron Man. Number two, so far, so remember, we're doing these as if like these are the only movies we've seen. So far. Right. So two, I have Hulk, and three, I have Natasha. Okay. So you don't include War Machine? Uh, I, no, I didn't think to include War Machine. Did you? <laughs> I did. Okay, I didn't think to include it. So I have, <laughs> uh, so I have Iron Man. Hulk, um, Black Widow, and then War Machine. So let me go ahead and put in... Let me redo mine then. Okay. Because I can do this real quick. Live revision happening at this moment. So number one, Iron Man. Number two, Hulk. Three, War Machine. Four, Natasha. Oh, you're putting her at the bottom. Now, listen. This is as if these are the only movies we've seen. Okay. As we see more movies with these characters in them, they can shift. You know, it's it's a fluid list. It's not a final list until we hit the the most recent movie, right? Okay, yeah. So here's my reasoning on why I put Black Widow above War Machine. So I think that if I put her in a suit, she'd be just as good in a suit as Rhodey. She'd be better. Yeah, better. And so on the ground in that scene where they're taking on all those guards... I do not think that Rhodey would have done as good of a job as she did. That's why she's my number three. So I put her as number four behind War Machine because in this, because right now there's just there's no range to that character. It's just a monotone like spy. Spy. Yeah. Whereas War Machine at least like clearly like cares about Tony and has like a little depth to him. So I agree that like Natasha is. Way more of like a like warrior fighter mm-hmm. than than War Machine is, but I think I value that like character depth more at this point, at least. Okay, um, valid. Yeah, yeah, I like that. 
Okay, so villains, I'll go first this time. I have Obadiah Stane, still at number one. Justin Hammer, <laughs> number two. Whiplash, and then Emil Blonsky, number four, as Abomination. Yeah. So I didn't include Justin Hammer, and I'm probably not going to revision this to include him. Not, he is the villain. Yeah. Uh, I'm just lazy. So villains... <laughs> So one thing I think I mentioned before is I don't love when the villain is just a replica of the the good guy but bad. Yeah. And so far, in the big bad final boss fight, that's all we've gotten. All three Marvel movies, all we've gotten are carbon like replicas of the good guy, just bad versions, right? Yep. So all I'd say is I haven't loved that, but. Um, in my rankings, I have Obadiah one, I have Ivan Bonko number two, and Abomination number three. So we're so, close. Same th- exact same thing, except I just didn't include Justin, Justin Hammer. Justin Hammer. Yeah, yeah. I think that's that's solid. Okay. Um, movies. Uh, do you want to go first, or do you? Sure. Okay. I have first Iron Man. Yep. Second Iron Man two. Yep. Third Incredible Hulk. Correct. Uh, yeah, I mean, mine's exactly the same. And we've already talked about this before. It's probably going to, we're probably going to be on the same page on a lot of these for a while. I think. So, what's the next movie in the Thor? Thor, just regular Thor? Or? First Thor. Yeah. Which I have not seen that movie in 10 in years time. easily. So, it'll be interesting to see where we rank. If it, if it if it's last or if it passes yeah. maybe so far, um, but yeah, so that'll be interesting, and I think it'll get really interesting once we get up to like Guardians, yeah, where there's a wide range of movies, and because at that point we'll have a Captain America and some other stuff, Avengers, so yeah. you know, mm-hmm. getting into more sequels and all that stuff. Sure, and it's going to be a lot of fun to see see where things i'm excited for like once we get to like infinity and endgame to see what our rankings looks like at that point yeah because at that point you've got 20 movies and then at least 30 characters oh and just on the hero side for sure so all right let's get into our overall reflections and final grades for iron man 2 okay so I, I mean, I still really enjoyed this movie. Yeah, absolutely. I think th- this is a lot of fun, and I enjoy it more than I did. It's a different kind of movie than The Incredible Hulk, one hundred percent. And it's really good. And but I think we just we talked about this a lot. There are a lot of things where it's just like that is the story that you chose to tell, and it seems like you're it's kind of missing some of the more poignant parts that they could have hit on mm-hmm. if they'd just been a little bit more intentional yeah and put a little bit more like this is what we're trying to get at i agree so but other than that i like it was really good it's really funny i mean i think most of the quotes show that like this is a funny movie yeah for sure. But yeah, that's where I'm at. Great. So I'm really torn between a C plus and a B minus B um, just because of like, I enjoyed watching this more than I enjoyed watching the incredible. Hulk. <laughs> um, so I'm just going to go with a, um, I'm just going to go with a B. Yeah. Uh, which is like middle of the road. It's like, it's a good movie. It's one that I watched a lot. Um, like after it came out on DVD. I really enjoyed it, but yeah, I'm going to stick with a B and I probably should keep track of these things and like lot to <laughs> retcon some of my re- uh, reports and final grades later on. Yeah. I'm going to go with a B as well. Um, I think that this is one of the probably five funniest movies in the MCU. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Edit and post. I think this is one of the, uh, you know, five funniest movies in the MCU. You can make a movie that is that has serious moments that's also funny though, and so I think that like and you an said, Infinity War does that really yes. well. Yes, and so I think this movie really missed on some of the more serious aspects of it because they have themes that I think are pretty serious in tone and are pretty, you know, like maybe not necessarily dark, 
but just you know serious and adult themes in this movie that they could have explored more in a serious manner that they just kind of missed on like so, all of the scenes with Tony and Rhodey especially after the hearing where Rhodey goes down and talks to him when he's about to fall out. Yeah. Like that's a, could have been an incredibly powerful scene, but like people don't talk about it. Yeah. And then also when they fight, people talk about it because of the fight, not because of the conflict that's actually going on between those characters. So yeah, I'll give it a, a B and say that it's a solid movie that I really enjoy. All right, everybody, that's going to do it for another episode of The Brad Report. We hope that you dug what you heard. We hope that you will like, subscribe, give us a five-star rating, follow us on social media. And until next time, love you 3000.